Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to the Carrier's Edge Podcast, Episode 27. Happy New Year, man. Seems like a long time ago that it New does. Year it was like, oh, is it 2019 already? Yeah. Hasn't it been 2019 for a long time? Well, here we are. Here we back are. Back after a hiatus. I'm and who, oh, go ahead. All Say right. who you are. I have to finish the intro bit. I'm Mark Morell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And I'm the other co-founder of Carrier's Edge, Jane Jazrawi. All right. Now we've got the hard work out of the way. Mm-hmm. We've done the formal part. Yes. Our brains are a little bit fried. We have emerged from the wilderness of scoring this year's best fleets to drive for mm-hmm. after an equally arduous task of getting Man. through all the interviews and making sure everybody got all their surveys in. November and, to November and December yeah. and the first part of January have been not this, so it has been the worst. Like this <laughs> is like not the worst, but this has been the busiest, most tiring uh, version of this program that I've ever experienced. Well, I thought we would spend some time today talking about that. We've got a few other things that we'll get to at the end, but, but since we have to we've be... been buried in scoring for the past little while, I think it would be good for us to kind of have a cathartic experience <laughs> getting that out through the podcast and just talking about what we've been seeing. But we cannot say who the top 20 are going to be. No, no. Although that... we know now. Yes. We are going through that um, process. We've got to the end. We've figured all of the details out. But I thought there's, I think, uh, some time that we could spend just talking about how do we get to that. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to announce the top 20 at the end of January. And I'm really determined to get back on a regular podcast schedule, which means we should probably be doing one right around that time (laughs) that we announce the top 20. not tomorrow. Okay. So um, but now I think we could spend a good chunk of today's episode just talking about that process because scoring, and I was thinking about this as I was going through it, it's, I mean, we know it's a real chore, but there's mm-hmm. a real process that we have mm-hmm. to it that I, I think is, is not, we haven't talked a whole lot about that. We haven't? Well, we've talked a little bit about it, but we've just gone through it now. So this year was really different in that we had 80 finalists. So basically go through the questionnaire, the interview and the driver surveys and people to get all of that stuff done in sufficient numbers on time. They get enough surveys in, they get all the interviews done. They advance to the finals, which sounds pretty easy. Basically, if you get your homework done, you go into the finals. Mm -hmm. But every year, like half of the nominees don't make it. So obviously it's really, really tricky. This year we had... 80 of them that made it through to the finals, which means 80 of them that we have to evaluate. And there was, I think, sorry, 81. I was going to, I was going to interrupt you and Uh, say, I think it was 81. 11 of them that did the contractor stream Mm -hmm. and 70 of them that did the default program for fleets with company drivers or a mix of company drivers and contractors. Um, When you do the scoring on the contractor side, it's not so bad when there's 11 of them. But the way our process works, that process of scoring the default people when there are 70 of them that you have to go through, that's a real pain. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we decide, we look through all of the questions in the questionnaire and we decide which ones we're going to score or which ones we think we're going to be able to score because you don't always know until you get in there. And then we go through these and we split it up. And right now it's just the two of us doing it. So we split it up between the two of us and you'll get one category. I'll take one category and we'll go in there and we'll look at one question and we'll look at all the answers for that one question. And then as we go through those, we figure out what the scoring matrix is for that question and then we score them all. Well, just before you go on, that's why during the interviews, I'm always... Uh, and I tell people this while I'm talking to them. It's like, oh, let me put that. Let me make sure and that I put this information in this part. Well, that's one thing that I was going to get to in, in one of the challenges, because it sounds simple enough. OK, you look at 70 answers yeah. and you score them accordingly. The trick, though, is that many of these 70 people want to fill up all available space 
with whatever they can. <laughs> You've got, and, and some of the questions are really quick, like how long before people qualify for benefits? That's an easy one. Yeah. You know, but that's an easy one to score. It's yeah, like, it's an okay. easy one to score because it's, it's black it's and white. It's just a number. Yeah. But many of them are kind of open ended, oh, like yeah. short essay kind of questions. So you've got people that are describe doing your onboarding process. Yeah. You've got many of them that are doing kind of short essays here that you've got to go through. And you have to sort of sift through all of that, see what they're saying. And you have to read and it. You, generally, you have to read through, I don't know, half of them roughly before you start getting a sense of what the different tiers are for scoring. I find. And when you and this is the same with marking when you're a when you're a teacher or a professor, you have to figure out how you're going to mark it because you don't just read things. So let's say it's a, you know, four paragraph little mini essay. You can't just say I'm going to mark you. Well, you have to decide what it is that you're looking for. And we have historical documentation of what we have looked for in the past, but we have to go through this process every year and say, is this even still worth it? Is this still a thing? Yeah. Or is this something that everybody's doing? So it's not really... As soon as everybody's doing it, there's absolutely no reason to score it because everybody's getting the same score. It's just like, you know, give everybody five extra marks for... Well, the other thing is that no two people answer the question the same way. So they may be talking about the same thing and describing it totally differently. Yeah. Or they may be using the same language and describing two totally different things. And what we do during the interviews is we try and get a common language. We have language that we use that we both know what's been talking about. So when we're doing the interviews, we may describe it as something that the company doesn't talk about it that way but we know and that's like our shorthand for saying oh it's like this kind of a thing yeah that could be helpful when it comes up but as we get into the scoring quite often or certainly i found this year in the ones i was doing there was things that were coming up that were sort of under the surface that i didn't pick up during the interview phases but now i'm looking at all of these answers i'm like okay these people are actually doing this other thing that we really weren't conscious of and there's sort of a whole other language that they're talking about here that we have to start thinking about and figure out how we're going to um, score them on this. And it's, it can be very tricky. Uh, some of them are talk a lot and sometimes they'll say very little, but it, it may be only a few words that give you a sense of what they're doing. And in yeah. some cases I find some of the trickier ones, it ends up being like one word that can make the difference yes. in their answer. It's yeah. so bizarre. And, and the other thing that I found and I, I haven't talked to you about this to see if you had the same experience, but sometimes you're looking through these answers and all of the different things that people are talking about. And it may be as you get, I don't know, a third of the way down or half of the way down, there may be one answer that all of a sudden solidifies what the scoring is going to be. You look at it and it's like, okay, now that's what I'm going to score based on because it's clear. It's very much it may be like the most innovative program or something that's different or something that takes you in a whole different direction with the scoring um, that allows you to say, okay, this is now going to be the benchmark. And then you can go back to the rest of them and all of a sudden everything sort of fits into place, you know, and before maybe you were struggling cause you're not sure if there's really two different levels of things or three different levels or five, you know, is it going to be out of three or four or five? And sometimes it'd be like one person's answer and it may not be the most amazing answer sometimes. Sometimes it's the most sparse answer or, you know, they're doing the least in that area. But it's just the thing that allows you to solidify the different responses and say, okay, here's going to be my scoring matrix. It's going to be this, this, and this for these different scores. And then all of the rest of them seem to fall into place. I, I guess that happens. But what I find when I'm doing it is that I get... I start reading it and start trying to piece together what it actually looks like. And I think it's just our different thought processes. And sometimes it just feels like it's just like so many words and so many, everybody's doing so many things. Now, I did human resources this this year. (laughs) So human resources, that section is one of the hardest and takes the longest to score because there are so many different things that you have to parse. Like it's just, so sometimes you just get completely overwhelmed and 
So what I do is I start picking things out and assigning them scores, and then I have to go back through the whole thing a couple of times to make sure that that works. And, but it is kind of like, so I have that sort of muddled process until I get to a point where it's like, oh, but it is like what you said, it's like a light bulb goes off Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, okay, this is what's working. Okay. And some, I have like the scoring, how I base, because everybody's doing different things that lead to the same end. Well, that's another challenge. That's driving me crazy. It's like, oh man. So it could be this or this and this or this. Yeah. And it's all the same level of uh, effectiveness, I think. Well, and that's what we end up having to look at is what are they accomplishing? Mm -hmm. And then what is the experience for the driver? Yes, and that's what we really emphasized this year. And that made a big difference. Yeah, because a lot of fleets talk about things through the context of their own viewpoint, all the things that they're doing. And that's what we want. We want to hear the effort that they're making and stuff. But they sometimes don't necessarily think about the experience for the driver, you know, put themselves in the driver's shoes to consider it. So we have to kind of look at it when we're comparing these things and say, all right, if I'm a driver working at this company, what is experience A like for me versus experience B? Then it's like, okay, I can see that one would be nicer. The the one that was really uh, eye-opening for me is, well, we were... We have traditionally scored the question about preventing incidents Mm. before they occur. Um, And what I found, and I did this because this is in performance and recognition, and uh, I was scoring this question. And and basically everybody's doing the same thing. You know, preventing accidents, you know, they're doing a lot of training. They're Really, it was one of those things where everybody's going to get a four. So I started looking at the... At the other questions, and the fir- for the first time in our history, we're scoring what happens after. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever scored that before. No, we haven't scored that one. And that was, I really got a good sense of, and I was doing that, like during, while I was scoring it, I was thinking, man, would I want to be going through this? <laughs> you know, that's a, because you've just, as you just say, you've just hit something. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes that. Nobody wants to hit things. I mean, if you're running around hitting things with your truck, then you shouldn't have been hired in the first place if you're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's giving you a sense of pleasure, um, that's that's not a good hire. But what the and I understand the company's responses to that. You know, you need to try and prevent this as much as possible. However, what are you doing to like how are you just how people write their policies, you get the sense that, you know, if you're in orientation listening to, you know, all the things that are going to happen to you if you, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you hit something. Um, and there was very few people who actually talked about making sure the driver was okay. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things that came up. Uh, and I noticed that as well. We've talked to the, about this a bit and I'm going to probably speak about it when we do presentations is the blind spots in the mm-hmm. industry. There are things that doesn't even occur to them. Like this one about what happens after a collision. We started talking about it because I thought, you know, maybe there's something there. You know, if we used to score, what do you do to prevent a collision? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's like you said, everybody's kind of doing the same thing for the most part. Because there's best practices. There are best practices yeah. that most people are using now. Uh, but then afterwards, and it dawned on me that we have this question about what happens after. And for a while, like we didn't really score it because most people have a, a, a post-accident process that they follow. But then it dawned on me that after doing, I was doing the operational strategy. And one of the questions in there is about safety score and targets for improving safety. At every year, people gripe about the fact that we ask for DOT reportables. We measure their safety uh, results through DOT reportables. And they moan about how we shouldn't include this because most of these aren't preventable and our preventable DOTs are way lower and all this other stuff. So I thought, well, we've always said, okay, that's fine. But for the driver, it's still a crash. Yeah. You know? And then we look at And this. then they still have to do the post-accident. Well, that's what got me thinking about it is, all right, if these people are saying that the vast majority of their crashes are not the driver's fault, then I assume that their post-accident Uh, process is going to be based around the assumption that the driver wasn't at fault. So let's score them on that. And you looked into it. And what did you find? The vast majority of them 
don't have that process. The vast majority of people just start with assuming that the driver is at fault and they talk about taking the driver out of service and putting them into remedial training or they have an accident review and all these other things. It's basically discipline. Well, you do have to review the incident. There's no way around that. If you oh, want to, you need to find out. You have to do a, a root cause analysis and find out what you can do to minimize the risk of that in the future. Um, well, also to find out what happened. Sure. And well, yeah, and to minimize the risk in the future. But it was, um, it was an interesting exercise just to see how people thought of it. Because mm-hmm. it really, for some people, it was like, oh yeah, we just threw him into training. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that that, you know, I can see people not liking that, <laughs> you know, not really enjoying that. And you know what? A lot, everybody does do that. Everybody reviews the accident. And most of the time there's going to be some training afterwards, but there's, there's other things that you can do. And what I thought found really, really interesting is the number of people who say they have cameras mm-hmm. don't use cameras. Don't tell us that they use cameras post well, and that incident that opens up a whole other can. And of there's worms, a blind spot, which but that's the thing that they is a challenge for us is they're not telling us. Does that mean they're not doing it? So there's a lot of things where people kind of do without even really realizing it that they neglect to tell us. And we try to catch that up in the uh, interviews. We look through these things and we try to follow up with them and probe them on certain things. But it's tricky because you don't want to ask them too pointed or too leading of a question. You just want to sort of collect their story. And if they still don't mention it, you can't give them points for well, it. Well, that's why, well, I never follow up on that question. No, I, we haven't followed up on that particular question, but there's lots of ones where we do follow up on things in the interview. But right. um, we can't say, do you use the camera um, afterwards? You check the footage because every single one of them is going to say yes, whether they're doing it or not, whether they do it once in a while or every time. Well, that's what, and the other thing about that is people are, if they're listening, they're probably going, well, you know, I didn't really ask and it's not fair and blah, blah, blah. And it's really, it's out of three. So it's not, it's not very high scoring. And and I have a response to that as well in that what we find after 11 years of doing this is that the questionnaire and interview gets the stuff that is front of mind for the fleet. What are the things that they're thinking about? When I say a particular subject what comes to mind for you? And if that isn't something that comes to mind that prompts you to say, you know, prompts you to talk about it and do it, it's probably not something that is really a normal part of your process. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're thinking about the driver and the experience and all of those kind of things and creating a great workplace, all of the things that are sort of front of mind for you are going to come up. Um, and the things that you don't think about, well, that tells us what's front of mind and what isn't. So there's still value in that. Well, and I think that now that we've talked about it and because it's been scored and we'll probably put it in the in the book, yep. it's going to have more attention because we'll yeah. probably score it again next year. Yeah. And what I like about Best Fleets is that I can really see the difference in what we ask about and what we score and the behavior of the industry. Yeah, and I find... Or the behavior of a certain segment of the industry. I don't know. For sure. And, and when that kind of trickles out to the, to the you know, everybody, you can really see the change. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, has really sort of trickled out to the ends of the industry is um, the question about safety, uh, safety mechanisms. The things, okay, The uh, we have those two questions in operational strategy. We have the ones, you know, how do you help the drivers be more efficient and what technology do you have on oh, the trucks? Oh, safety technology, yeah. Yeah, so safety technology was like pretty much standard across the board. There was a couple of other ones that we couldn't really score. Well, what I find interesting now over the past couple of years is how much the scoring changes from year to year. The different questions that we score because yeah. we're getting to the point, and this year I think was the most we've ever seen where we had several questions that had been there in past years that were like, there's really nothing here to score. Everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Um, Or one that I had, an experience that I had that is partly on us, I think I need to clarify the wording of a question, is uh, we have a question in the work-life 
balance. It says beyond an EAP, which is an employee assistance program, what support systems are available for drivers and their families? And the idea is what is the company doing to help drivers with sort of the lifestyle stuff and help their spouses and families to feel like part of a community and all of that kind of thing? Well, there are some people that said, we don't really have anything, which you would think, okay, because the question says beyond an EAP, what do you have? We don't have anything means they just have an EAP. But there's other people that said all the details of their EAP, even though we said beyond that, what do you have? So they just gave their EAP. I don't, yeah. And so it ended up being a situation where I couldn't be sure if the people that said we don't have anything don't have anything at all, including an EAP, because there's also some that don't have an EAP. Um, and, or was it a situation where they were actually reading the question? Because a lot of times people don't really read the question or they only answer half of it. And that's something that we try to catch in the interview, but still we don't always get to it. We yeah, can't, it's like a hundred questions you can't. And sometimes you do an interview and you're just asking, Yeah, like you're constantly saying, okay, so for this question and now for this, and you're asking for clarification on, you know, 40 questions. <laughs> and it's, it gets, Yeah. And you realize when you're scoring it that some people have kind of misinterpreted the question or they've kind of answered a different question or what you said earlier, they give you data in one place that really fits better somewhere else. Yeah. So we're trying to move it around. That's part of what makes it so grueling is to try and figure out what are they actually telling us and did they pay attention? And you get to a point, you know, we both get to a point where we're getting fed up and, you know, the people that don't follow the instructions and throw in a bunch of marketing crap anyway, even though we say not to do that yeah. or they, you know, they don't answer the question the way it's clearly written. You know, we ask a question that just needs a number uh, as an answer and, and they paragraph. give you two paragraphs of <laughs> yeah. text. Yeah. Or like the one that was driving me crazy. There's a question that says, uh, beyond new entrant and onboarding, are there any coaching or mentoring programs for drivers? So we ask about the coaching and stuff uh, for onboarding in the question about onboarding. So, mm-hmm. You know, what do you do after orientation for coaching and mentoring drivers? And then we have a whole question that asks, uh, asks about new entrant programs. So what are you doing for students and things like that? So this question was really about ongoing coaching for drivers that have been that are past that um, process that have been around for a year or more. What are you doing? Because we're seeing more and more companies that have coaching programs on a regular basis, and it's usually it's camera based or everybody goes and does something uh, once or twice a year or something like that. So that's what we wanted to capture. It seemed like a fairly well written, simple question. Beyond new entrant and onboarding, what coaching do you have? So many companies just wrote out the whole detail of all their onboarding coaching, everything they do for new hires. And, you know, you read, okay, one or two of these is fine. You read 20 of these things, you want to start punching people. 40? So, you're like, nah! yeah. Yeah. But there's 70. 70 answers well, to there, these Well, uh, the other one that drove me crazy was the um, beyond performance bonuses or do you have any rewards for other things? It's like... Beyond, like, other than performance yeah, other bonus, than bonuses, how do you what recognize are, drivers? Yeah, what is your recognition? And eh, everybody put performance bonus in, and it's <laughs> like, I feel like maybe we should say, What are your performance bonuses? What are the other things? What like, else? in two questions, and yeah. we were talking about this, so we got to completely restructure this. Yeah, we're gonna restructure because now year. it's just becoming like this hodgepodge of things that. Well, things are are old and outdated, and some there are new things that are not being captured or that we're not quite sure being captured properly. And, I mean, this document... Well, this is a process we do every year. Yeah. Based on the data that comes in, we look at it and say, okay, do we really need this question next year? And then we take notes. So we've got a running list right oh, now yeah. of new questions that we want to add and things that we want to rewrite and... Um, drop because we're not really getting good data out of them. And the other thing is, is that it is, it has been a living document for 10 years. Oh yeah. And it needs a, basically it needs a facelift. It needs an overhaul. It needs like, we need to go through and sort of say, okay, is this question capturing this? Is this, I think we need to do like a really deep dive into it. And particularly on the contractor side, I think, and we talked about this a little bit, but I, I think there's elements that make up a great workplace for contractors that we're maybe not capturing. 
And we have a lot of questions. There's a few questions in the default version of the questionnaire that we don't ask for contractor fleets because it just doesn't apply to them. Um, you know, things like what facilities do you provide uh, in the cab or on the road? You know, how nice is your sleeper? Well, yeah. you know, that doesn't apply for contractor fleets. And things like, um, well, even the things on the benefits like uh, health insurance and retirement and stuff, there are fleets that have arranged programs for contractors, but there, there are questions that just don't apply. So we've chopped all those out. Uh, we still have a good number of things that we ask, particularly about maintenance and how they help building the business and all of that kind of stuff. But I think there's other things that we could add in there and get a better picture of what life is like for contractors. Mm-hmm. I think so. so. We'll be going through that process, but we have come to the end of it. Yeah, we we're have, having a nice, well, we came to the end of it at about well, five o'clock yesterday. Well, see, that's the scoring of the individual questions. You have to go through all of these things for every question and it takes time. It can be a short one can be half an hour. It can be an hour and a half. The one that you did on work environment, Total you were work probably, environment? yeah, that, that was, was a half a day you spent no, on that. I, it was most of the day. Yeah, on one question. But I but I work long hours when I'm scoring. So like I might work 12 hours in a day. So yeah. But you're digging into yeah. it and then it, it's not uncommon at all to get two-thirds of the way through and say, ah, it just doesn't feel right. That's then, what happened. It was like, okay. Or you go through and you go, oh, I got to change this scoring. And then you score half of it the new way. And then you know you have to go back and score yeah, go, the go rest go of it. And, and there's also the smell check. Yeah. So, because we can sort the scores, mm-hmm. and so you sort the scores and you look at all the highest scores and and make sure that they're all, yeah. Um, Do they all match? Yeah, like are are they actually following your high score? And then you, but I've been I was going through. I think I must have gone through total work environment and. Um, the diversity question four or five times. Yeah. And you write notes and other documents. Sometimes you pull out the, uh, some of the text and put it elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's tough because even when you think you've got it or, or when you feel comfortable that you've got the different scoring levels for each question, there's still going to be a few fleets that are kind of on the edge and you're like, well, I'm really not sure if it goes, is it a three or a four or a two or a three? So what you have to do is sort of put it in one of them. And that's when you go back, when you're doing that sort of final assessment after you've sorted them all and say, okay, are all the fives really consistent? Do they all sort of match? And do all of the fours sort of match? Are they really doing the same thing? Or is there somebody there who clearly doesn't belong? And once you do that, it, I find it becomes pretty easy to figure out whether or not those people on the bubble belong on one side or another. The other thing that I do is count how many people had what score. That I find really interesting. That was that was helpful because you can sort of see when every, well, that's when you find everybody's getting a three out of three. So you can that question because there's really no point to it. Um, but, but there are situations... Because sometimes you'll find yourself in a situation where it's actually fairly evenly spread. That's what I like. I like having the even spread where most of the scores, well, especially in a five-point question, you want the scores mostly in the middle. It depends because there are times when there's clearly differences. Um, You know, so uh, I had a couple of questions, and I can't remember exactly what the questions are now. They're all a fog. But I had a few questions where the bulk of the people were doing the same thing. But there was a few that were going above and beyond, and it might have been three people that were getting that extra point. And then there was a handful that are not even up to that standard level. So out of 70, I might have had 60 people that were getting a two, and the rest, the other 10, that were split between a one and a three. And at that level, you could look at it and say, well, everybody's kind of, most people are doing the same, so pull the question. But there's clear differences between the one and two and between the two and three. And the people that are pushing people forward, pushing the industry forward by innovating and finding some new creative thing to do really warrant that extra point, I think. Yeah, when I say that we, you know, when we're getting rid of a question, that's when you don't have that. There's no, no. new innovation. There's just... Like the safety just technology di- where it's or like... Or scorecards. Or, yeah, for you Scorecards was like, is there... 
is anybody doing anything with scorecards that is even interesting? Like nobody with every, every single person. Like I think that the scorecard, are they manufacturers or developers or? Vendors. Okay. Yeah. Vendors. Those vendors have done a great job in figuring out what fleets need, what's going to help them the most and they've delivered it. So really it's kind of like buying, like what are the, those commodities where it doesn't really matter which one you have, yeah. it's doing the same job. What yeah. is that called? Commodities. I, don't know. Oh, I guess it is. Commo- yeah. It's becoming a commodity. Like yeah. everybody's doing, it's the best practice. It well, makes I think total sense. That one is, is interesting. Cause I found, I think a year ago or two years ago, there was a lot of people that moved away from vendors and started building their own. But whatever way they're doing it, it's become standard practice in the industry to have those kind of scorecards. The other thing that's kind of related to that that I always look at is if we have a question where most of the people are kind of consistent and there is a few outliers on each side, I look at fleet size. That's another thing that we always always factor into this. Because if it's a situation where the people that are doing really outstanding stuff are all huge fleets... And the people that are seeming to be laggards are all little tiny fleets. Well, that's different. It's a, you have to consider that because you don't want to just be punishing the little tiny guys and you don't want to just be giving points everywhere to the big people because the big fleets have more resources. They have more options. And they should be doing more. Yeah. And particularly some of the ones that I was looking at, like um, in work-life balance, where we talk about uh, charitable contributions, community mm-hmm. support efforts to improve the image of the industry. That's very different. If you've got 12 trucks, you're not going to be doing the same thing as somebody with 8,000 trucks. They can, they can and should be doing way more on the industry image and they can and should be doing way more on the charity thing. Uh, so that factors into it as well. And it's also you know, tricky when you're looking through these things and that takes you back to the, the tough job of scoring them when sometimes they're on the bubble and sometimes they're clearly they're not clearly in one place or another is you got to look at it and say, well, not only what, what are these people doing that compares to other ones that are sort of close, but what does the fleet size look like? Yeah. And the other thing that I did that was different, uh, it was, I actually, when I was scoring questions, I was looking at the results as well. Yes. Um, I thought that was a really interesting thing that you started doing on the HR side. Yeah. Because if you were saying that, you're doing all of these things and, uh, and you're, but yet your turnover is high, then you, your program may be in the right place, but it's not working. So hmm. what's happening there? Um, and the other thing with the diversity question, you know, so I have a, I have it scored and this took me a long time that you can't get the full score unless you have diversity in two out of three areas. And that's gender, ethnic, and disability. Because mm. some people, like this, I don't not a, quite a few, but there's a number of companies who have got two out of three really covered. And that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you focus on one and you do that really well, then you might get a four, but it's probably going to be a three. And what I found was that if you were, when I look at that diversity question, if you have 1% women, but you have, and you're kind of iffy about your program, like you don't really talk about your program that well, then it's obviously not working. Mm-hmm. So I was... And even I want to see a huge program. If you're not seeing any results from it, you can't really get full score. Yeah. I want to see if you have a program that is dedicated to hiring women, then you better be hiring women. Like yeah. it better be working out if you want to get the full score. Well, that question also kind of opens up another area that is tough for us to slog through. And that is people that just annoy us uh, in their, in their answers, because that question says, beyond equal opportunity opportunity. regulations, what are you doing? So, and we had to specifically add that in there because there was a bunch of people that were basically talking about the stuff that they're required to do. Well, we're an equal opportunity employer. We'll hire anybody that's a good fit for the job. Well, you have to do that. That's a law. You know, every time I see one of these things where people brag about um, following the law, I'm just reminded of Chris Rock's comedy routine. What you want, a cookie? 
<laughs> You're supposed to do that. Um, there, I don't. Did I rant about that? I don't think there was as much of that this year. Oh, maybe I got them. You had it in that question. I had it in a few other ones. Here. I've had it uh, equal opportunity. I I often get that as a like you know we don't discriminate. Yeah. Um, and it's like yeah. The question is not do you discriminate against. You know, do you want to only hire white middle-aged men? That's not the question. The question is, how are you encouraging people outside of the target trucking truck driver market? How are you getting them to come to you? Because everybody, like the media, like it, it's not unknown that the the white male market is drying up yeah every middle-aged white male that's interested in driving a truck is already it's driving probably a truck. driving a truck so and what else are you doing exactly so if you start telling me that you know you only you hire the best person for the job and it's like okay yeah but well where what's your pool of applicants how are you getting other like how do you know you're yeah, is there anybody who doesn't say that no well this is it like why are you saying that are you suggesting that you know fleets who wouldn't do that? And, but on the other, you know, on that other argument, people are saying, oh, women are so much safer. Like that whole FMC. No, it wasn't FMC. Was that tree? Somebody. Some that study, study was like, oh, women are so much safer. And yet the best person for the job is not always a woman. Like, come on. Like, which, which <laughs> one do you want to believe? Yeah. And so I don't, it basically is the argument against having to think about it. Yeah. It, it's really, you know, I don't want to deal with that. So, you know, and we don't have any programs for that. So I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't have asked the question. Ah, well, that's another thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ways to annoy us. I think we moved into a, a separate section. Ways to ensure you don't get the full points. Annoy us by bragging about how you follow the law. Yeah. Attempting to educate us on how the industry works and why you can't possibly do that, which I also know is code for yeah, we have nothing and we don't want to admit it. So now we're going to try and blame you for asking. Yeah. Even though I've already interviewed 20 companies that are doing that. Yeah. Including some that are probably in the neighborhood. Uh, so don't give me that. Or garbage. how much money you've spent. Oh, yeah. Brag about how much money you spent. Yeah. Yes. This is a tip. And we should talk about this when we do our Best Fleets webinar yeah. next fall. Do don't not brag us. about how much money you're spending for two reasons. First of all, we don't care how much money you're spending. <laughs> if we care, we ask you. Well, I don't. No, there's we almost ask no about questions. salary. We or ask not about salary, yeah, average but, income. You know, income. Yeah, we ask about average income, and we ask if they have a training budget allocated. How much is it per head? Only for information gathering and, purposes. We don't score any of those amounts. But it's also very driver focused. Yeah. It's not about what money the company is spending because yes, as a company, you have to spend money on your drivers. Well, you have to, and we also calculate how much per head that actually comes to. Yeah, that, that's the problem. That's yeah. where it comes back to bite a lot of them. Is yeah. You tell us how much you're spending. We're going to divide it by the number of drivers and see what it actually works <laughs> yeah. out to. And if we're not impressed, which yeah. we're never impressed, well, it's never it a big up, amount. Yeah. Well, they divide it by the number of drivers. It's like a hundred bucks a person or something. Oh no, it's never a hundred bucks. That's, well, that's a lot. Yeah. For some things it may be. Like there are some that I did in the work life that ended oh, okay. up around that amount. But the second thing that uh, backfires on them is that most of the best practices that get you a lot of points don't cost a lot of money. Yeah. You, know, it's, you don't have to spend tons of money. It's creativity. It's putting some thought into it. It's working together as a team. It's collaborating. Mm -hmm. All of these kind of things. It's involving it the driver. Yeah. It doesn't cost you any money. So if you're just throwing money at the problem, you're not thinking creatively. And it's almost like a, I don't know, it comes across as kind of a, well, we're putting all this money into it, so you should be impressed. Yeah, give us all these points. Yeah, and really, you might be spending money in the wrong place. You yeah. know, maybe your money should go elsewhere. I don't know. I don't really care. Well, that's because never going to be the measure. Because I don't care about how much money you're spending. Yeah, that's not going to be, that can't be the measure of what gets points in any of these questions, because then just becomes a question of who's going to spend the most, most yeah. to buy their points, to buy their way into the top 20. And we are, are not in favor of that. We are vehemently opposed to that and we will punish people accordingly. <laughs> now, unfortunately, this is the thing that really irked me is there's some companies that were doing that that just annoyed me to no end on their questions. But then I chop that out 
And the answer is really good. Damn it, they're still doing a lot, <laughs> so they still end up getting all the points. Yeah, I mean, I actually, a couple of times I had to copy the answer from from the system, copy it out, and put it into Word, and like, I and organize it to figure out what was actually happening. What was just fluff? You're just using words mm-hmm. to, I don't know, I don't know, like just word words do. So. Uh, and then I would like separate it into paragraphs and, and like or separate it by points like you're doing. OK, there's one thing you're doing. OK, you know, three paragraphs later, there's the second thing you're doing. And that's how I had to do it sometimes yeah. because people don't use paragraphs. People don't split it up. They're all just this, like this big. Yeah. And then you're like, OK, I don't even know what this means. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's one of the other challenges is that sometimes they're including stuff that's actually been scored elsewhere. Like I found that in a number of my questions, it's like, okay, when I chop out this, cause I know we're scoring this somewhere else. And then I chop out this where we're scoring it in this other place. What's really left here. But to be fair, we, d- we tell them that. Oh yeah. We I tell mean, that, people I don't blame to do them that. For. I mean, as long as they're not you know, ignoring the question and just throwing in crap. But if they're putting in a wide range of things that could apply, and sometimes we don't know until we get into the scoring and we decide how we're going to be scoring it. Um, like, for instance, uh, the question about th- that question about support systems uh, for drivers and their families, a lot of the answers, I ended up not scoring that one because it just, it wasn't going to work. There was no way it's I could be confident that it was going to be fair. But there's a lot of answers in there that really ended up being more on the wellness side. So, uh, you know, I would have had to chop that stuff out anyway. Um, so I was uh, having some issues and, you know, it's fine for them to put it there because you don't always know when you're doing the questionnaire or when, even when we're doing the interview. We don't know what it's going to look like in the scoring until we see all of the answers together. I think that that question and I think that question has changed. Because the the question that you're talking about, about the support systems, because I think what we intended it to be was like a, you know, if you have a chaplain or if you have a um, concierge people or you've got like a dedicated driver relations person that also helps the families. But driver relations people, I mean, that's become kind of normal like you have driver services and so that person takes yeah. care of it so and that's we need to not change the extra. wording of that so that it isn't talking about driver focus but is really more about the family yeah so what's i mean and we would have to have examples i think um but you know how do you support the family outside of um uh, outside of well no just how do you support the family things mm-hmm. like you know are the there facebook, facebook groups, groups are there dedicated um groups, um, social groups. Do you bring them in for, um, orientation? Yeah. Bring the spouse in for the interview and orientation and things like that. Do you invite them to company meetings? I think that would be very, oh, well actually, and prime has this, um, program that I just was so incredibly impressed by, um, that they have for supporting dads, Hmm. which is really just a kind of like it's it's nah it, it's not like their highway diamonds program but they're i can't remember what it was called but i remember thinking that that was so cool that and it was based on a program that's in the community as well so there's a little bit of a community partnership that um you help dads who are away from home a lot connect with their family right. and that's a an excellent mm-hmm. uh, um uh, example of of some sort of a support system, but there's like lots of spousal Facebook groups, and mm-hmm. I don't remember who's the first person, but that's been going on for a long time. I remember uh, motor carrier service always having the spouses in yeah. at the interview, and I always thought that was a good idea mm-hmm. too. There's a few people that do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. So we've now, I guess, had 44 minutes of catharsis around our scoring. So should we talk about something else that's happening? That Was there really, anything else happening? Anything else that's going on? What else are we doing now? Uh, I've certainly got some things that are, are happening outside of Best Fleets. And is, you've got is a few this things. your thing that you want, you want to talk about something? 
Is there something in that you have in mind that's not best leads? No, just general updates on what's going on. Well, we are. uh, Is it? You're hiring. I am hiring. I am uh, slogging through resumes. So I have stopped slogging through questionnaires. Now I'm slogging through resumes. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing the same. It's actually a good idea to do it because I'm doing the same thing. I'm looking for specific bits of information. So Mm -hmm. I'm in the same mindset. I may as well. So I'm looking for uh, an instructional designer and. uh, And doing some design work. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to actually talk about was that we are going to have a bit of a refresh. Finally, in the next few months, retire that course template that I created in what was that? 2005. Yeah. Spring of 2005. Um, And the logo. We are going to spruce up the logo. mm -hmm. We're not changing it terribly much, but it's no, the same thing. It's not going to look like updated. it was designed in, you know, 2005, which it was. Did I years. do that? You did the logo. I did the template. Did I the do the logo template. from from scratch? Yes. I don't remember and doing actually, that. I don't think so. I think that I... No, I will tell you the story and you'll remember it immediately. Okay, I don't we remember. We had a different logo. We, when we first started Carrier's Edge... It was two words with an apostrophe in the middle, and we had a logo that was just a giant C and an E together <gasps> that was loaded with all kinds of effects that were hot at the time. <laughs> right, Bevel and Boss. And there was textures and shadows, <laughs> and it looked very nice. And it was like a, what is that Kinda shape? A trapezoid. Like a trapezoid. And it looked very oh, nice so when it was nasty. giant. But as soon as you tried to put it on something small, it looked <gasps> awful. Uh, yeah, it was so nasty. Who designed so, that? That was me. That oh, was my okay. work. Yeah, yeah you're, that was you're my not. playing around with, I think, Photoshop. <laughs> um, so in... What, I'm just what? looking at your poster that's on the wall of... Uh, that wasn't me. Didn't you? No, somebody else did that. Oh, okay. He's looking at my band posters yeah, in the studio. Because there's a band poster that he has that apparently, how long did it take you? Like 18 oh, was... hours to render in the back in the 90s when you couldn't... Yes. Do 3D graphics at all? Yeah. So there was lots of fun with that. So we realized fairly early on that that was not going to work. And (laughs) I'm going to say it was the fall, winter of 2006, 2007. We actually had a new logo. We, and we commissioned some uh, designers who were doing some marketing work to come up with some ideas and we hated all of them. So we just did it ourselves. You did it. Marie's people? Yes. Now they did great marketing stuff. They did. They're the ones who did the perfect driver campaign. Yeah, um, which I look back on now and go, Ugh. yeah, it was sort of funny. We were it, trying, and it got it got attention. It got people to sort of notice us, which yeah. was good at the time. And um, we did a new logo, basically, um, to go uh, along with that. So we changed the the. Uh, the typeface changed it so that Carrier's Edge was all one word with no apostrophe so that nobody had to try and figure out where the apostrophe was supposed to be. Um, where was the apostrophe supposed to be? Before the S. We give an edge to an individual carrier. This is that okay. carrier's edge. But people disputed that and said, well, we should be giving an edge to all the carriers. So the apostrophe should be after the S. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, let's just get rid of the apostrophe. Get rid of the stupid apostrophe <laughs> and put it all one word. And we've done that ever since. So that everybody can now just refer to us with the apostrophe S. Yeah. But they'll all be wrong. So we'll at least know what the I don't remember. Uh, Who came up with the swoop? That was you. You came up with the swoop and the spacing of the words, the positioning, the lowercase, uppercase. All of that was your work. I do not remember that. I'm not surprised. If it was the end of 2006 and early 2007. Yeah. Yeah, you had a... I had a handful of things going you on. You had a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That would have been... That was where... That, that would have been Christopher's times. grade one. That was oh. in the dark times. So... Yeah. I'm not I surprised. do not, not remember. remember this at all. Anyway, I'm very happy that I made a logo that actually stood the for, test of 10 yeah. years. But... Yeah, more than that. It's been 12 years I now, am, so... Um, it's time for just a, a, a refresh. It's not going to change. It's going to look like an kind of an updated version. Yeah. You'll like, still wreck it. It's not, you're going to be like, like when iOS put in all those flat icons, you know, yeah. it still looked kind of the same, but the same, but different. And so, we did not hire a graphics, uh, company 
to uh, spend millions of dollars so that we could change a color. <laughs> Which is what happens apparently when, you know, big brands get their change something about their logo or their branding. They yeah. always bring in these consultants who they spend millions of dollars and then they add a dot. But then they have to do they have to do focus groups and they have to collect requirements and they've got to talk to twenty five different executive VPs around the world and True. things like that. And then they, yeah, they make up, sure they're not, they're not uh, insulting anybody in a different country. Exactly. And then you go through that process and you, you know what it's like. You try 25 different things and you like this and don't like that. That dot may have a whole lot of meaning and it may be the perfect dot in the perfect space. Um, but you don't know that until you go through the process of getting to it. Yeah. And the, yeah, I guess it really, the expense is, you know, how many people do you have to look at it? Yeah. And it's good to have somebody who's outside the company to do the yeah. design. We have a, a designer who, where did, where is she? Romania. Is she? Yep. Um, she doesn't really have any idea about what we do, but she well, she's getting to know it because she did all the icons for our, uh, our LMS, and she has also just finished doing new infographics. So basically all our help files have been updated. Uh, I've got to finish a couple of things on those and get them posted, but she's done those recently, and now she's doing a course template for you She's too. done the course template. Yeah, she's done the course template, updated course template, updated logo. Um, but yeah, the course template, I can't believe we lasted as long as we did with that one. Um, it's because what's in the course template is so good. <laughs> yeah, that's what counts. That's what it is. But it's going to make like all the courses look, look new, which is cool. Yep. I'm going to have to go through every single course. Oh. Oh, Christopher can go through every single you course. The boy to do it on yeah. Yeah, end of February. If you, That'll be our target. End of February. Yeah, the boy it's going it. to punish him for what he did to me in 2006. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've got some new stuff happening too that I'm very excited about. The biggest one being new servers. Oh, new server. Only you. Well, actually, no, no. You know what? People, will be, people will be very happy about new, servers. about new servers. So we've been with our current uh, data center since, well, five years now, since February of 2014 is when we went live with this config at Rackspace. And it has outgrown its useful life. So the yeah. hardware has got an end of life notice. So we have to move off it anyway. But we've outgrown it. We're like a we're like a teenager trying to ride a toddler's bike on this thing. <laughs> uh, and I I watch the uh, the server load and all of that kind of stuff, and I see it gets bogged down sometimes. And I, oh, I just hate it. Hate that. Anytime somebody has to wait for anything, I know it's not right. Anytime there's a delay, and I get a notice every time that it hits a certain threshold and I get a notice every time there's an error of any kind. So I hate that. Um, so we've got new servers, which are like massively more powerful than what we've been using and more of them. So we're just getting them built right now and we'll get them configured and also getting a lot more updates. Uh, so when are we going to have it? My target is to be live before the end of February. Oh, good. So, uh, I have to check in with them. Uh, they were waiting on some hardware pieces to come in. But um, when those come in, it's only a couple of days to get them um, built, get them configured, and then we'll start doing testing, make sure everything is working properly, and then we'll uh, plan. I'm going to say that we plan a cutover maybe the weekend of like family day here. Okay. Which I think... Which is February 13th? Yeah, it's somewhere around the middle of February. Somewhere in that time frame, that's going to be my guess that we'll plan to uh, do the cutover then because I think there, no, actually there may not be any downtime, any significant downtime. There will be a little bit when we move the database servers, uh, but other than that, we may be uh, we may be able to move pretty smoothly without any real uh, That's the 18th. Yeah. Family day is the 18th. Yeah, so that's my plan right now. Okay. I'm very excited about that. But we also uh, have been taking the opportunity to optimize a lot of the places where we are seeing some of the, the bottlenecks. So those will get rebuilt and uh, sped up on their own, plus the new hardware, which will speed up everything. So I think that's going to be a much nicer experience for people. And uh, we're also getting close to being ready on uh, our updated API, which we've been rebuilding a lot of things internally to support that, but the new API is much smoother 
and uh, it's nicer for people to integrate with. And uh, we've added some nice new features that I think are going to be very powerful um, when they go live, particularly one thing that seems very simple. So, well, first of all, explain briefly what an API is. That's the tool that people use to integrate with us. The application programming interface allows outside systems to pull data out of our system. And basically the way we've rebuilt it now, anything that you can do through the um, front end, so by logging into an account, you'll be able to do through the API and get the exact same data. So a foreign system can effectively log in as an administrator add users, assign courses, run reports, all of that kind of stuff. That's cool. Um, So um, most of the time with the the basic API that we have now, people are just adding accounts remotely. So like, for instance, like TruckWrite, you create an account in your TruckWrite environment. It automatically creates the corresponding account in our system. It can run courses through there, pull data out for people that have got... uh, results and things like that. You can pull out that data and automatically have it populate other systems. So that's, uh, it's the basic one has been around for a few years, but we've like totally overhauled it. So now it, uh, it ties into different permissions and stuff. So you can get the same results that you would see logging in. So if you're an admin, you can see everything. If you're a regional admin, you'll be able to pull out the data that you would normally get through that role. And even like just a a manager or something can pull some basic data out too. So there's a lot of options and a lot of power in there. Wow. Very happy with that. And tied to that is the simple sounding feature that opens up a whole ton of possibility, which is the option to have people assigned to programs, uh, have those programs appear a certain number of days after assignment. So right now we can set up a program and that program will show up on a certain calendar day. So you can set up your monthly training for the whole year in advance and the programs drop when the date comes. And that's good for a lot of stuff. It's good for the monthly things or quarterly refreshers or whatever. But what we're nearly finished with is an option that has those programs appear X days after they get assigned. So you can say that this program is going to appear a week after I assign it to you. This other one is going to, pro, uh, going to appear two weeks after I assign it to you and things like that. And by doing that, you can assign this whole package of programs and they automatically pop up on a scheduled basis, but it's a rolling schedule for each person that you assign to it. So for new hire stuff, for instance, you can add somebody to the new hire program and a week after they get assigned, then maybe they get a follow-up survey. And then two weeks later, they get some additional training. Then three weeks after that, I don't know, maybe they get something else happening. But it allows for a lot of automation of activities. That's nice. So I'm looking forward to that. That will give us a a ton of uh, opportunity for customization and automating all of the programs for people. Very cool. So I think that along with... um, so just a general review of how all of that automation works is going to form the basis of our March webinar on uh, Yeah, on it sounds like it because there's going to be a lot of changes to how mm-hmm. you uh, manage things. Yep. Cool. And you got some course stuff happening too, right? Um, oh, yes. Yeah, sort of in progress are uh, we have... Uh, the overhaul of defensive driving is continuing, um, which is a really big project. So I imagine that's going to be April. Okay. When it's done, uh, or I'll retract a trailer. I still, I'm not totally sure about all of the other versions of defensive driving, but we'll have to see how the our 3D animation uh, goes mm. for all of the things to replace what we've got in there so far. But I'm really, I think this is going to be a much better. Like it's not just a, an updated version. It's we went through it and completely ground up rebuild. Yeah, we really looked at what what we think works, what doesn't work, and and so we're changing a lot of things. Um, there's a weights and dimensions course that I've been working on because it's one of the harder things to do. It's this is a nasty nasty piece of work, but I kind of got sidetracked from by Best Fleet, so I am now going back to it. And um, there's a bloodborne pathogens core, a little little one that Debbie's doing, just basically going between defensive driving and bloodborne pathogens. And 
I think we have a facelift for forklift that's coming. Forklift facelift. Yes, a forklift facelift. Not face off, face That's harder to say than I thought. Forklift face, and I, well, I said it properly the first time, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's Forklift not working. Forklift facelift. Forklift facelift. Uh, that's coming this weekend, and um, then we're going to be going through, probably um, be looking at some cargo securement work. Nice. Okay. And that'll take us into the summer. And, you know, every once in a while, we'll throw in some translation. Because actually, translating the modules isn't that big, isn't that much work. Because yeah. now that we have our process that... We've got a good process for that. Yeah. So, yeah, and we've got a list of them that people want translated. So we'll keep moving with that. Yep. But uh, yeah, well, lots of things happening. And now that the big grind um, is, is finished... Uh, we can go and speak to our, our employees again. <laughs> yeah, we can get back to some of those other things. So yeah, now I'm like all energized and eager to get back to all yeah. of this product stuff. Well, now, um, yeah, I'm also, I have to start planning for the uh, the uh, thing at the TCA convention, the my uh, general, general session. session. Yeah. yeah, now I have to think about that. I have to think about what I want to talk about. Yeah, and all who, of the shows that we have coming up and yeah. the different speeches and things. Uh, yeah, because you're doing show stuff too. You're doing some show planning. Yep. Yeah, we have a few. So yeah, we will get back to all of that and we'll have updates on those in we our next will. episode. Mm -hmm. But I think at this point, uh, this pretty much wraps us up, I think, for today. I feel very good now that we've had this long talk about the scoring process. And why we haven't done any podcasts because we've just been so. I was trying not to. Ground down. That fact. Oh, that, that we haven't done podcasts. Really, you know, we did one, one or two in the fall, and I said we're getting back on track now, and then we didn't. But now we're back on track. Okay. New Year's resolution. That's right. All right. So with that, I will end this episode and say thanks for listening and have a great day. Bye.